So a couple of weeks ago, we, uh, we offered, a, uh, offered pre-Cana down here uh, on the island, um, kind of like a, a one-day for, for couples who, who are getting married, uh, getting married in the church, you have to do pre-Cana. Um, it's usually some kind of a, I don't know, like a class or a conference where you, uh, you learn a little bit, get some sense of... Um, how we should factor kind of God into your, into your life and certainly into your marriage, your future family. Um, it was a really great day. Some very good couples and presentations were really well done. Um, we began, um, I kind of did a little intro, welcomed everybody, and then I, uh, I showed a clip from uh, Everybody Loves Raymond. It's a great episode where uh, they're talking about church, uh, Raymond. Ray doesn't go to church. The rest of the family does, and they're giving him grief about it. And um, finally, Ray says to Deborah, why, why, why do you go to church? And she has this great response, uh, and that's what, that's what I showed, where she just talked about, you know, the power of community and the importance of being part of something that's bigger than yourself. Um, she talked about prayer, um, she talked about tradition, just like, like in a couple of sentences of dialogue on this little sitcom, she said some really great stuff. Um, it's one of the reasons why I love that show. Um, I think it's very funny, but it's also, there's like often like a depth to it. They kind of do talk about life stuff. Sometimes it's almost a little dark because it's kind of a dysfunctional family. They got their share of problems. Um, and they'll address them a lot of times, usually, again, sort of in the context of humor, but there's often something serious going on as well. Uh, when I was laid up with uh, COVID in January, I was watching uh, some of the show, uh, and it was a particular episode I saw that I had seen it before, but I, it hit me more this time. It was um, Robert's Wedding. So Robert, if you don't know the show, Robert's the, the older brother of Raymond. And he's kind of this um, sad sack. He's like, always thinks like life is unfair and he envies his brother's life. And, and he's got, you know, overbearing mother and kind of a sort of a, just a strange father. So he's got it kind of tough, but had a terrible first marriage. But now he's found a, a great girl, this girl, her name is Amy, and they get married. This episode revolves around the actual day of, and it's a disaster, as you'd expect, anything involving this crazy family. There's always, there's always trouble. Uh, Marie, the mother, who's kind of a nightmare, she uh, totally disrupts the ceremony, ruins it, really, and then they're at the, uh, they're at the reception, the party afterwards, and Frank, who's the father, who's kind of a nut, he gets in a fight with the father of the bride because it's a, uh, they have a cash bar at the reception and he can't believe how cheap they are. Um, I kind of agree with Frank on that one. Cash bars at weddings are an outrage. Um, but uh, anyway, so it's just like typical Barone dysfunction. And then Ray gets up. He's got to give the toast. And he give, and again, this is where like the show sometimes can have this depth, I think. Like, he gives this pretty cool or interesting toast, and he tells everybody that he's a writer, and that's in the, on the show. He's a sports writer. He writes, writes for Newsday, 
And he says, you know, when you write, you gotta, you have to, editing is often a part of the process of writing. You write something, you look at it, and then you say, all right, I gotta, I gotta cut the, take this out. I'm gonna add that, I'll subtract this. An editor, that is the, the job of an editor, he or she will do exactly that. And then what he then said was, uh, you know what, I think sometimes in life we, we need to do that too. When you look at your life, you look at your family, maybe the family you grew up in. And uh, yeah, sometimes you have to edit things. You have to just, things that don't go the way they should, people who show up and are not helpful, uh, in a sense, you kind of edit them out. And his thing was, remember the good stuff. Edit out the bad and hold on to the good. And he then proceeds in this toast, he kind of goes after every member of this crazy family and he becomes more of a roast than a toast. Um, And he's making fun of them. But ultimately what he's saying is, as crazy as these people all are, we really kind of do all love each other and keep what's good and delete what's not. He says, save the good pictures. I like the image of like a photo album. Save the good pictures. The lousy pictures, okay, those you can, you can toss them or put them in a shoebox and you'll probably never look at them again, but save the good pictures. Anyway, it's a pretty good toast. I think it says something that I think there's some truth to that. Um, he's not saying deny the bad aspects of life, like pretend it didn't happen. That's not healthy. That's not honest. He's just saying kind of focus on the positive. Toss the good, and, or toss the bad, rather, and save the good. Remember when I was in college, I took this, uh, well, it, was, it, was, it must have been an American history class because I had to read this book on uh, George Washington. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't know much about Washington other than the obvious things that we all know. This book was great. Uh, I learned stuff about his life that I did not know, and I was, like, beyond inspired. He just was such a hero. He had such a great life, um, like such a leader, courageous and humble, inspired people to do, like, he... he he inspired people to do things that they almost objectively really weren't able to do, but he got them to do stuff. There was so much to emulate in Washington's life. But then I got to the chapters in the book about the slaves that he owned. And that was just kind of, I guess I probably knew that, but I maybe forgot about it, and I was kind of crushed by that. Because this great story was now kind of tarnished because of that part of his life, which wasn't honorable. It was also 240 years ago. It was a different time and a different culture. But it's part of his record. Um, And I remember being a little conflicted by it. Like, should I, should he be a hero? This is 30-something years ago, way before cancel culture was even a remote concept. You know, you can't, you can't deny Washington's greatness. You'd be just a fool. 
you'd be ignorant of history. You can't deny his foundational impact on us as a nation. And we shouldn't. But you also got to acknowledge the flaws. It wasn't a perfect life. I mean, it's never a perfect life, right? It's kind of like this Ray Barone thing. It's the toast. It's like, save the good pictures. Don't deny the bad. But for God's sake, don't throw out the good. Like, you can't throw George Washington out. You can't cancel George Washington. Look at this first reading this tonight. It's the Ten Commandments. This book of Exodus. It's actually it's the, the Ten Commandments, and it's and this this version is a little there's a little bit more to it. Usually it's just like ten almost kind of bullets. Bullet, you know, this commandment, that one, the next one. They're almost not even complete sentences. This has got a little bit more to it. Like, look at the first reading. I mean, the first uh, commandment. I, am, I, the Lord, am your God. You shall not have any other gods besides me. That's usually the end of it, right? Well, this one kind of continues with a little bit more detail. Have no other gods but me. No other idols. Worship nothing else but me. And then it says this. God says, I am a jealous God. And I will punish those who worship idols. In fact, I won't, even, I won't just punish the ones who worship idols. I'll punish their kids. And even their kids' kids. The children? Like, why punish them? <laughs> like, what did they do? They were completely innocent. They had nothing to do with it. Why would God, why would God do that? I'm, a je- I'm jealous? How can God be jealous? Jealousy is, it's, there's never, there is no positive spin on jealousy. Like, jealousy is never a good thing, Right? Nobody's ever like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling good about myself because I'm jealous of this person. Now God is revealing himself as being jealous? Like that doesn't add up. That doesn't make sense. Go to the, uh, let's see, go to the third commandment about keeping the Sabbath. Make one day a week God's day. It's got to be first priority. You got to be here. You can't, you shouldn't be doing all the other things that we do in the course of a week. No work at all, it says. No work, it says, no work may be done then either by you or your son or your daughter or your slave. Your slave? Doesn't that sound like God is making slavery kind of legitimate? Like he doesn't say, or the slave that you shouldn't have. He talks about the slave as as if it's like a part of life. Even your slave has to obey the Sabbath. I mean, how kind of crazy is that? You know, it's sort of like these, the commandments even, are imperfect. They describe a jealous God. 
a vengeful God, a God who maybe seems to be okay with slavery. Now, that was 3,300 years ago. Different time, different culture. But it's just wrong. The commandments aren't wrong, but like these, these little added pieces, like they don't make sense. It's not what we believe. And it's also kind of arguably offensive. So maybe we should cancel the commandments too. I mean, it seems like every day lately, like something else gets the boot. Something gets canceled because of some part of who they are or what they represent or what they've said or what they once did emerges and it's not good, it's not okay, we just sort of destroy everything about the person. So if we take that approach, I guess maybe you could say no commandments because they seem to be okay with slavery. Honor God, put God first, honor your parents, respect life, tell the truth. Those good things, well, they go. It's like George Washington. Yeah, there was this part of him that was not good. All the good stuff, it's gone. That's crazy. You know what it's all, it also is? It's anti-God. It's anti-Christian. It's anti-redemption. It's anti-mercy. It's anti-forgiveness. It's anti-second chances. So you, you did something from your past is, is, an absolute, is absolutely regrettable. So your present and your future is done? What is that? How terrible is that? And listen, I'm not making little of terrible things. Sometimes in the course of life, yeah, you do it like... Things are so bad. Maybe in a sense a person in the moment does have to be canceled. Look at what Jesus does in this gospel. Look what's become of the temple. It's become like a flea market. It's become Roosevelt Field, the temple. And Jesus is like, enough, time out. This has to stop now. And he's flinging tables all over the place and he's driving people out. And sometimes, sometimes that is necessary. A person in your life is so unhealthy, so toxic. It's like, I got it. No, I can't be connected to you. But I think that's the exception. I hope it is. Come on, we don't have that many people in our lives like that. I mean, can you think of maybe somebody that, if you think about it, you've kind of canceled because of the way they were, something they did. Maybe it was a, like a painful absence. They should have been there and they weren't. And now they're looking for like some kind of reconciliation and you're like, no way. You are canceled. I don't know. I don't, don't, I, don't think that, I don't think that flies with our faith. I'm not saying it's easy, but he never said it was going to be easy. You know, I, before uh, COVID last year, I, I used to go over to uh, East Meadow to the jail. Um, I'd go every five or six weeks on a Saturday morning and celebrate Mass. Usually two Masses, one for the, one for the men and one for the women inmates. And I remember... Uh, 
couple of years ago, I was, they were doing like construction work or renovation work in the, um, the, the way that I would get from the parking lot to where I had to go, the chapel. They detoured us. You couldn't get in that way because they were doing work. So they sent us in through the area where family members of prisoners, where you can meet up with them. You know, like in the movies where you, they can kind of come down and you visit, sit across from the, the person who's in jail. You're, it's the mother or the father or, or spouse. It was that sort of that setting. That's where you'd meet. And the whole place was terrible. The whole place was just a, like a heartbreaking, sad place kind of for obvious reasons. It's a jail. But I remember walking through that place, and I was a little awkward because I felt like I was almost like imposing or intruding. But I also remember feeling like, thinking like, this is as dark as this place is. Like there was some hope in this sad room. Because you know what was being said by their presence? You're not canceled. You're in jail, and probably because you did something, and probably you deserve to be there. But the presence of that guy's mother, or daughter, or wife, or son, or whomever, what they were saying was, yeah, I'm just not going to cancel you. That's the way God is. That's what our culture should be like. There was this great quote I remember from uh, Pope John Paul II, Saint Pope John Paul II, and he said this about like what, what defines you as a person, what should and what shouldn't define each of us as people. He says, we are not defined by the sum of our mistakes. We are the sum of our Father's love for us. How great is that? We are not defined by the sum of our mistakes. Don't cancel that. 